Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we get to start a new book together. We're going to look at the book of Job. Before we jump into the text, just a little bit of a background on this book. Let's start with some of the basic questions. Who wrote it? To that, we don't actually know the answer. Could be Job. Could be one of the friends. Could be somebody else. We don't have an answer. When does it take place? We know the where. The where is the land of Uz, or Uz, which is out east of the Euphrates, maybe Aram. But when does this take place? Now, the argument here is that this is the first book of the Bible actually to be written down. It's not to say that Genesis doesn't come first, right? Genesis begins with creation. That's certainly first, historically speaking. But it's not written down for quite some time afterwards until Moses writes the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible for us. And that doesn't happen until perhaps around 1446 BC. I don't know exactly when Moses did his writing work, um, but that's the year of the Exodus. So, 1446, 1406 is when they enter the promised land then. But you've got Abraham, for example, already around 2100 BC. The account of Genesis 1 may well have happened in 4000 BC. So the argument here again is that perhaps out of all the books of the Bible, Job was the first one written down. The reason for that is Essentially, the, the language, the, the style of language, if you were to go back and read an English novel from 300 years ago, it would look very different than an English novel today. The language shifts over time. And so it is that even though Job is written in Hebrew, the, the traits, the characteristics of the Hebrew in this book are different than most of the books of the Bible, indicating to us that it's probably of an older time. So it's possible and typically, I think, believed by the church traditionally that Job is alive sometime around the same time as the other patriarchs of the church, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's in that era of history, so hundreds of years prior to Moses even being around. Now, we'll go ahead and read the text. Today, Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and five hundred female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of them on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. 
Yahweh said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered Yahweh and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And Yahweh said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and all his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Job starts with a challenge between God and the devil. We'll get to that in just a moment. So we learn who Job is first. He is the wealthiest man in the East. He's also faithful, perhaps more faithful than any other at this time. He fears God. He turns away from evil. He has ten children, seven sons, one for each day of the week, we find out, as they have feasts on, on their own days. What do we have? Over 10,000 livestock? Beasts of burden? 11,000 numbered? Very many servants. There's no one to compare to Job in wealth or faithfulness. He even, after his children did their feasting, would offer up sacrifices for them in case they sinned during their feast in order that they would be forgiven of that sin. Now, if you're going to make a case against the idea that Job is in the time of Abraham and the patriarchs, it would come from that idea right there. Offering up burnt offerings. It's not something that's actually laid out and described and prescribed to God's people until the book of Leviticus. Again, 1406 B.C., somewhere around that time frame, a little earlier than that, as before they get to the promised land. But the challenge to that, too, is that we even see that Moses and the Israelites were doing some of these things prior to the establishment of the priesthood. So we don't know exactly the origin of the offerings that they would make. 
And so it's possible that Job is doing this offering because it's based on God's word from Leviticus, in which case this is later. But it's also possible he's doing it earlier in advance before the priesthood is even established. Because we see examples of that too. Now, one thing that you can talk about husband and wife here, how can we care for our children this way? Or perhaps can we? You cannot make offerings on behalf of your children. It doesn't work that way. I know some churches teach that it does. You cannot confess your children's sins for them. They have to do that one themselves. But you can pray for them. You can ask the Lord to be with them, to strengthen them, to comfort them, to encourage them. You can ask the Lord to bring them to repentance, to bring them to confess their sins. You can ask for them to trust in the Lord. So we can pray to God, and we can teach our children. Those are some good things that we can do together as parents. All right, so verse 6, Satan comes into the throne room of God. God has appointed a day. We don't know anything more about it than that. Is this a regular occurrence? No idea. But the sons of God come before him. That's a reference to the angels in this text. And Satan also comes among them. That's not a common name for the devil in the Old Testament. Satan is is a Hebrew word. It means accuser. So, really, there's going to be a court theme as we move through the book of Job. And this name Satan applies. The devil is going to accuse Job. He's, He's even accusing God here, truly. Accusing God of favoritism. Of course Job isn't going to fall away. Look at all you've given him. That's an accusation. So Satan is the accuser. Again, it's a rare title in the Old Testament, only showing up later in 1 Chronicles 21 and Zechariah chapter 3. But it is a name for the devil. And God questions him, similarly to how we saw him speak to Adam and Eve in the garden when the devil tempted them. From where have you come? God knows the answer, but he gives Satan a chance. And Satan's answer is very uncommittal. Oh, here and there. You know, going this way and that. Doesn't actually give any kind of a firm answer here. And God is the one who initiates a challenge. It's not that the devil comes into the throne room and challenges God first. Although we could argue his very appearance is a challenge. But instead, it's that God challenges the devil. God taunts him. He says, look at this servant of mine who is faithful. And Satan's response, does uh, does Job fear God for no reason? You have blessed the work of his hands. Look at all that he has. God, if you had not given him so much greatness, he would not love you. Put him to the test. Take it all away and see if he still loves you. He won't. He'll curse you. That's the test. That's the challenge that the devil has in mind here. Notice that God is still in control. This is going to be one of the major points of the book as we get to God speaking in chapter 38. Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. 
God is in control. The devil has to ask permission to make this happen. And the Lord grants permission. All that he has is in your hand. Only against him, so physically, his person, his life, do not stretch out your hand. And so Satan went out. A day comes when the children are all together feasting again. We're not told if it's one of those seven feast days or not, but they're all gathered regardless. And we get a string of messengers that come before Job. Four of them in a row, all with devastatingly bad news. And I don't know if you want to try to rank the first three or not. And I think for most of us, we would rank the final messenger as the worst of them all. First, the oxen and the donkeys. So that's, you know, that's 1,500 animals because it's a 500 pairs of oxen. It's 1,000 plus 500 donkeys. 1,500 animals are lost plus the servants as a, a, raid, a raid happens and the Sabaeans kill the servants and the animals. Well, take the animals. One man escaped. He came and reported it. Then fire of God came down. So, oh, look at the phrasing in verse 16, and it happens every time. While he was yet speaking, so as this guy is, is just trying to get it all out and tell Job what has happened, the next guy comes in and has another thing to report. And this goes on and on and on. There's no break in the midst of it all. So the second guy comes and reports, Fire fell from heaven. Look, fire from God. Fire of God fell from heaven. There are some that try to suggest that this is lightning. I even saw the suggestion saying that the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah was lightning. I don't know that we need to make that leap. I think that is a leap. Is it possible here this could be lightning? I suppose it's possible, but it could be something else. And I just want to, I, I would prefer to leave that open to whatever it may be that the Lord has. Burns up the sheep and the servants. I alone escaped. So notice This is supernatural, this one. Right? The Sabaeans come and attack. But now this is nature, perhaps, or more directly, the Lord. While he was yet speaking, another came. The Chaldeans formed three raiding groups and took the camels and killed your servants. So another raid, another group of people come and attack. And then the fourth your sons and daughters were eating in the house, and the great wind came and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell, and they're dead. So you have two events that might be both natural, nature, um, or supernatural, perhaps, and that the, the Lord has given the devil the power to do those things. The devil has power. Do not, do not be mistaken. The devil's power just is not as strong as God's power. So the Lord gives his angels power, and the devil rebelled against God, but he still has power. Limited, though it may be, but it is still power. And the, the, devil, the devil will use that power for his own purposes. Here he's using that power, seeking to destroy the faith of Job. What would you do? If you were Job... And you lost everything. What would you do? This is all your livelihood, all of your wealth, gone. And then your children, too. Ask your children to interact with this idea. If you lost everything, 
what would you do? How would you respond? What would you say to God? Job mourns. He arises, he tears his robe, he shaves his head. These are signs of grief. And he falls to the ground and he worships. He gives God the glory. Sorry, Satan. Your accusation has failed. You have lost the challenge. Job has not abandoned his faith because everything that he had was taken from him. He has remained faithful. And look at the beauty of what he says. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Very true. Right? We enter this world with nothing. And when we leave this world, we can't take anything with us. Job acknowledges that. Everything is in the Lord's control. Everything is in his hand. Yahweh gave. Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. What faith! What faith this man has that he could lose everything and yet yet remain so strong to be able to speak such beautiful words. And to glorify God in the midst of his suffering. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Our faith is often not so strong. And when bad things happen, we blame the Lord for them. May we take a lesson from Job this day and learn to thank the Lord for good or bad that comes in this life. We'll see more of that tomorrow as the challenge enters round two.